0: Reading Jesus and Bell, and it 's from first 14 to twenty eight Luke chapter 11. Chapter 11, Luke chapter eleven Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed, but some of them said by Beelzebub, the Prince of Demons. He is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their faults and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and the house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, he can ask, he can... Sorry, he can ask his kingdom stand. I will say they because you will claim and that I drive out the demons by Bezabel. Now, if I drive out the demons by bezebel, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out the demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house... His possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armour in which a man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through and places seeking rest and does not find it then it says i will turn to the house i left when it when it arrives it finds the house slept, swept clean and put in order then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than the itself and they go in and live there and the final condition of the person is worse than the first as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Please keep your Bibles open. Thanks Paul and Natalie
1: and her two troopers I think can uh, disappear behind the screen to their special little lesson. And uh, we're going to have a look at uh, the same passage they're looking at and we're going to be learning from it as well. And the thing that you might want to learn from it as we start is to ask yourself the question, well, is there such a thing as Satan? And people might say, well, trust you potty little group like you Christians meeting on a Sunday night in this small little ramshackle hall trust you to go asking questions like that in a large sophisticated city like London where we know better than to ask stupid questions like that I mean in London we haven't quite worked out if there's a god or not leave alone if there's a Satan or not and trust you guys to go talking about that kind of thing and wasting your time. And yet, if you start getting close to Jesus, reading about him, it isn't long before you bump into a story about Satan. And what happens here is that uh, Jesus drives out a demon, it leaves a man speaking, And it leaves a crowd that is amazed. And we might just uh, begin to think, actually, what's going on here? Uh, What happens when a person is able to speak is that they can go back into placing themselves in their community. If you can't speak, you're pretty much locked up by yourself. You're a little island, But when you start speaking, then suddenly you find yourself able to get close to other people once again. Now, once you clock that, you might just wonder whether actually there could be something here that is much more widespread than one little man in one little Bible story. Because you look around sophisticated London, modern as it is, fantastic as it is, and filled with lonely people, as it is. People who can talk, but actually end up not talking to many. And you suddenly think, actually, if we're looking at that kind of game plan that Satan has to keep people isolated, then you might actually see Maybe this is not just something restricted to the pages of the Bible. If you look around and see what's going on in London as a whole. And even in this little story, what we're going to see is that actually the influence of Satan is, odd enough, not just in this one man, but is much more widespread as well. And we're going to see that as we look at the crowd, and uh, as we understand what's going on, we're going to uh, see uh, that uh, uh, Jesus is going to be exposing unbelief in verses 15 and 16. Yeah, they're amazed. That's true. It says that at the end of verse 14. But while they're amazed, what do they say in verse 15? Uh, they say that actually he is a bad uh, uh, ruler. He is, uh, uh, is uh, the local name for Satan. So what they're saying is that Jesus is a bad power in verse 15. And then in verse 16, it's the same not that are amazed that say that he has no power. Look at verse 16. It says, Give us a sign. In other words, that last one wasn't powerful enough. Now, he'll answer that one next Sunday if you come back. Because if you look at verse 29, you see Jesus talking about the people who ask for a sign. So we'll come back to that next week. But even in this week, you can see that actually Jesus does give them a sign because it actually says in verse 17 that he knew their thoughts. In other words, they may have been saying, verse 15, not to him. They might have been saying it to each other, Well, I'm not sure about him. I think it's by the prince of demons that he is driving out demons. They might be having a quite private little of themselves, but he understands exactly what they're saying, and surely it's a sign that he is God, that he can do that. we'll come back to that next week here this week we're going to look at what they're saying about Jesus being a bad power and we're going to learn three things first we're going to learn that unbelief is really unreasonable second thing we're going to learn is that unbelief is satanic third thing we're going to see is that belief is for everyone Okay, let's start off by saying Unbelief is unreasonable. You see that in verse 17, where Jesus says, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided itself will fail. Just think about it. If Satan's game plan is to leave people isolated, then it's not going to help his cause any if he starts undoing some of those victories and putting people back with each other again. Which king opens fire on his own troops? That's the logic. And he also goes on to say, it's not just uh, uh, illogical on that score, but what about your guys? When they cast out demons, if you're saying that you can only cast out evil if you're big-time evil, then what about your boys who are casting out evil? Are you saying that they're satanic as well? Well, they're not going to be impressed by that. Like it says at uh, the end of um, verse 19, they will be your judges because they will agree, disagree with you. But if, in verse 20... I drive out demons by the finger of God. Well, you've got a better, more reasonable explanation. The kingdom of God has come upon you. By the finger of God, Instantly, that's all it takes to drive out demons. No major effort for God to do that. Just the finger. Now, just to bring that home, I think actually it's really helpful. Whenever we meet people who are unbelievers writing off Jesus to simply point out that there's not a lot of joined up thinking going on. There's not much reason involved when people try and diss Jesus in that kind of way. And they do. So, for example, I think it's the Muslims that say this, but they're not the only ones, say that Jesus never died on a cross. He just lost consciousness because he lost so much blood because he had such a hard day and people had whipped him and scourged him and therefore he just fainted on the cross but when they put him in the tomb it was nice and cool there and that's why he came back to life again and you say that's a reasonable explanation seriously so in the tomb he recovers And without any food or without any medicine he gets back his strength enough to roll back a massive great big stone at the entrance of the tomb to overpower the guards that are outside and then to present himself to his friends as if he is very much alive. Come on, the alternative to truth is even more unbelievable than the truth it seeks to disprove. Now, unbelief is unreasonable and it's worth us telling our mates look, what you're saying doesn't actually add up now, I'm not saying that if you say it like that that they're going to turn around and believe you because of the second reason which is the second reason is that unbelief ultimately is uh, satanic sorry, I, I think I moved that unbelief is unreasonable and unbelief is satanic caught up and you want to see that I think in verse 21 because that's where Jesus goes next and he talks about a strong man who's fully armed, guarding his own house and his possessions are safe now you saw a little bit of that in the all-age slot and I was keeping Marley nicely under control But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, well, essentially what happens is that the guard becomes helpless. Look, it says that, doesn't it, in verse 22. He takes away his armor. At that point, there's nothing he can do to stop. Once your armor's gone, you're helpless. And so, therefore, he is able to divide his plunder, in other words, to gather up the people that were captives. Now, what is really scary is what Jesus says next in verse 23, which is, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now, that is a scary thing, because it shows that there is no way in which someone can be neutral no way someone can sit on the fence and say well I'm not sure one way or the other really because if you take up that position what Jesus is saying is actually you are against me the only way you're not against me is if you're gathering with me, in other words if you are in my business of attacking Satan and rescuing and gathering in His captives. And so, therefore, he gives us this little picture that you see in verses 24 to 26. Now, think of this little picture as a person who is like this crowd. He is, they are impressed, they are amazed. Jesus, the stronger man, overcoming Satan is exactly what they have seen happening in verse 14 with this dumb man now able to speak. So they've seen this process of setting somebody free in front of their eyes, so they're nice and amazed. Now, think of what they're saying that actually this is a bad power, that they're still not properly convinced that they need another sign. Well, think of this next little bit as one of those people who are amazed and what happens is that when this um, impure spirit comes out of a person leaves them amazed what happens is that person is then left nice and clean and uh, the, the demon has gone But nothing goes in, so the house is still empty. It's swept clean in verse 25, but nothing takes its place. There's no gathering, if you like, going on. It just gets cleaned up. And the end result is that more people come and more demons live, and the final condition of that person in verse 26 is worse than the first. So, being amazed itself is not enough. Being clean is not enough. Unless we're actually involved in the process of gathering and filling our lives with the purpose and character of Jesus, then essentially we're leaving ourselves wide open to return to the old life and for the last state to be worse than the first. Let me tell you that that is not just a little Bible theory. It's true in practice. In the last church that a lot of us were in before we came here, there's a bloke. He'd been in trouble with the law. He'd been in trouble with his family. He'd done time in prison and uh, really got on with no one at home. And then in 2011 began what I call for them the golden summer. He and his family all started coming to find out about Jesus. They came to one church service after another. They were there absolutely every week. They were lapping it up. They did Christianity, explained, this guy understood everything that you explained to him. He was a bright guy. And then, unfortunately, come the end of the summer and summer... Sunday football starts and he took his son away and he went away thinking that actually now that the family were together because they did spend a lot of time together they got on better than they ever got on before the kids really loved their dad for the very first time and his partner really understood him and cared for him deeply her affection for him that she'd never felt for a very, very long time, suddenly started blossoming and growing again. And for him, he thought, well, I'm back on track. I can go life by myself. And he dropped away, and it doesn't always go as quick as this, but by Christmas the whole thing had gone pear-shaped. He was back on the bottle... And today he is back in prison. And the last state has become worse than the first because when he comes outside, there will be no one in his family that wants to meet him. For him, that side of life is completely over. And one of the things I've been trying to do as I've gone see him in prison is to try and help him to come to terms with that. Now, you see, that's how it works and actually it's true for his family too they had the church bit Uh, they were left clean but now nothing filled that place and once again they've drifted back to what they had before and life is once again one big mess now that is the way it is unbelief is satanic unless we seriously become part of uh, the work that Jesus does as you saw with Marley not only was he rescued but he went on high-fiving and rescuing the other people that's the way it works when we understand properly what it is to be amazed by Jesus that is the effect it has on that we're not just left clean and sitting there doing nothing. So unbelief is unreasonable, unbelief is satanic. It might lead to us being clean, but in the end, it doesn't lead us to gather, and the last state will be worse than the first. Last point I want to make, just out of verses 27 and 28, is that actually belief is for everyone. A woman in the crowd says that uh, it would be fantastic to be the mother of Jesus. Well, it would, wouldn't it? Because a mother would have great respect in a community if her son was achieving things like this. But the trouble with being a mum is it's a bit of a one-off. There is only one mum, and she would be riding high on his reputation. What Jesus is saying is that this is not just for one person having one solitary privilege. No, he says in verse 28, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey. That's meant to be a gang of people on the screen in case you can't make it out. In other words, this is not for one person and their self-exalting. This is for everyone to be drawn in. The blessing of God is never to elevate a person and to put them head and shoulders above everybody else. When you are blessed by God, you become a blessing to everyone else. And those who hear the word of God, who understand that being in the team of Jesus means to gather people to himself and who are willingly able to then take part in that enterprise they are the blessed ones who bring blessing to other people as well so what does that mean for us today maybe you're someone who's new maybe you're a proper Londoner and you come into a place like this and you think whoa have I stepped back in years there are people in Dagnum still believing in Satan how stupid can you get Well, before you write us off completely as nutters, it's worth actually looking around and saying, hey, if the activity of Satan is to isolate people so that in the end they don't speak to them, to other people around them, then maybe there's more about Satan going on in this place than we actually realize. But it's true, isn't it? When you come in to look at the Bible, most of us have lived life uh, and seen how, how it works. And what we do is we come in and we look at the Bible and say, actually, this explains the loneliness that's around. And it tracks with what we're seeing in London today. But don't just pat, pat yourself on the back and say, hey... At the end of this evening, I've now understood why London is the way London is. Far better to say, no, 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 no. I'm one of these people. And the only way that God can end my isolation is if God rescues me massively, powerfully, and then gives me the opportunity of being a blessing to other people. I want to be part of that gathering process. God, please, will you rescue me and make me a gatherer as well. If you're someone who's new, that would be a great prayer. What happens if you're someone who's churchy and there's uh, an easy number of people like that? Can Can you spot the warning here? The warning is... Being clean can be dangerous. A lot of us think that actually, now our church is there, we come to church on Sundays, and it's nice and easy, we go out feeling a lot better, it's a bit of peace and quiet in the middle of the day, and I go away and I feel nice and clean, and yeah, I'm back to myself again. And the answer is No. If that's what it is, then that's a danger sign. The bigger question is, are we part of the gathering group? That's why our church, we've always said right from the start, we won't belong to this place just to come here on Sundays. We'll want to be part of the gathering scene. Obviously, we'll have different ways of doing it with different gifts, but that's what we want to be doing in this place. But what happens if you are a gatherer? If you are someone who wants to bring people to Jesus and you've found that uh, you've uh, spoken to many, it's what you want to happen, but then you discover that people having once been amazed actually soon grow cold. And despite all the hours of effort you put into persuading them and bringing them along, and there they are, they've been there week by week, and then suddenly they're away from the scene. Maybe they've had some sort of crisis. And through coming here, they experience a period of calm. And then they go away again. Well, sadly, it's crisis, calm and then calamity when you follow the story and there is a danger for other people but it does mean big time discouragement for us because we'd love there to be a happier ending to their story than that so what effect does it have on us well it's very easy isn't it if you're part of the gathering process to think well I think I'll stop gathering I'm too discouraged to carry on Again and again, I've tried. Again and again, it hasn't got anywhere. But there's a danger. Let's not stop gathering and just go back into the, I'll keep my own nose clean and stay with that stage. Because no house can be clean and empty for long. And the, worst, the last state can be worse than the first. Let's not lose heart in the gathering that we have because God will do his work in his own time. But I'm going to stop there and ask you if you'd like to ask any questions and uh, we can talk about that just a bit more. If there's anything I've not made clear or anything you want to say, well, here's a chance, speak up now.